Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hodgkiss. Each week I bring you stories that will inspire you, educate you, and give you hope. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. Today my guest is Michelle Batter Ebersol, who is a grief recovery specialist and the founder of the nonprofit organization Widow Goals, where she connects widows. So today is going to be a little bit different than any of my other stories, but is a part of the journey of some of our lives. Please help me welcome my guest today, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's so good to connect with you in person. I love to talk to people beforehand, and then I then I get to see what they look like, which I think we all have the curiosity of what the voice <laughs> right. looks, the person looks like versus the voice. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yes. The topic that we're talking about today is a heavy one. As we know, we are, no one's escaping death. We're all going to pass away. It's just a matter of how and when, but we don't have to focus so much on the how, but when is always something that was, is always in our minds. And you became a widow, and I want you to share the journey of your late husband, Luke, because it wasn't always a sad thing to think about being a widow. There was some good stuff there. So please tell us a little bit about Luke. Yes, well, thanks again for having me. So Luke and I met in high school, um, but we didn't date until after that. And we got married in um, 2003. And he was 25, I was 24, this beautiful like fairy tale wedding. And he noticed a lump in his ankle. And he went to the doctor and they're like, it's tendonitis, don't worry about it, you're young. He'd never been sick. He was like all-star athlete. And then this lump kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until he went back, they did an x-ray. And he said he he remembered them like talking about it and whispering and like, oh, this is bad. And that's the first time he knew it was bad. I didn't think it was anything in the beginning. We were just married, we were just married, found out we were pregnant and then he was going through all of this. And I really didn't think it was any big deal until the biopsy. So they biopsied his ankle and found out it was a very rare bone bone cancer called mesenchymal chondrosarcoma. Very rare, usually only in kids. They didn't know how to treat him. So they just threw all of this chemo at him, not really knowing what it would do. And all it really did was make him really sick. And it was also devastating because we were told we'd had no more kids. I mean, it was our a whole life change from this all-star athlete who never got sick to suddenly he's going through chemo and very sick. And we did chemo for a few months. And then they said, you know, it's not really helping. The tumor has not shrunk. So you need to do an amputation. Oh, and that wow. was so big because That's like life I said, changing in itself very life changing and so okay. we prayed about it we um talked to a lot of people and decided it would be best because it gave him gave him the biggest chance at life and okay. we were about to have a baby and so he had his leg amputated and that was the day that we considered cancer free for a long time for over 13 years that was his cancer free day and um it was a really hard day because it changed who he was um he wasn't able to fully go back to work he has he had a um a walking route as a mail carrier and so that changed everything for him and he tried it for a little while it was too hard and so he ended up going on disability and not being able to work again so <clears throat> that's the first part of our marriage it all happened in one year and then from there he actually had a lot of other sicknesses um and we just kind of 
that's what happened. He had a lot of sicknesses. We went on to have two more kids. And then 13 years after his cancer-free day, um, he noticed that he fell down and noticed that his lungs were hurting. They did a scan and found out his cancer was back. And this time we had three kids and had to explain it all to them. Um, They knew about the cancer and the journey we'd been through. I wrote a book that they had all read. So they'd they'd already knew this journey, Um, but we had to sit down with them and say, daddy's cancer's back, Um, but we're gonna do everything we can. We're gonna pray for healing every day. And we're going to, you know, be there for him as a family. And so he started chemo again. And this time my kids got to experience what it was like to watch their dad throw up and lose his hair and become weak. And that was really, really difficult that this time I had kids experiencing it with me. And the whole time we always prayed for healing, but I taught them that healing isn't always what we want it to be. So we would pray for his healing either in heaven or on earth. We wanted it to be earth, but I wanted them to know that like, it doesn't always happen how we want. Cause I didn't want to set them up for hating God someday and saying, right. well, you, know, you said the, he would be healed. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one of the, the, you being a grief recovery specialist. I'm also a grief recovery specialist. Those are part of this, the stages of grief. And it's quite an adjustment. Like you said, he went from being an all-star athlete the sacrifice of a, of a limb to have the quality of life. I think the things that we take for granted. Yeah. And then now you have a family and you have three small ones that now have to look at this whole thing all over again. And the, the heaviness I'm sure that you all had felt that um, all of you experienced individually because kids are resilient, but they also absorb a lot of stuff too. Yeah. With his journey of being sick, um, how did that play a role in your guys's life was it more of him finding the quality of life even probably more so than he did before because now it was it was back probably as uh, stronger than it was the first time that he had cancer mm-hmm. yeah quality of life it, it was difficult um, going down this journey again um, but it really became we were trying to you know first fight it with chemo and when it didn't work, we were just like, we're gonna enjoy every moment. Like we're not gonna just sit in hospitals and continue to have treatments that didn't work. And so then, yeah, it was about quality of life and spending time together. We had some of our best memories. So once the doctor said it was terminal and said, you know, there's nothing else we can do, we decided, you know, to do all these things. We went to Disneyland. Um, Dream Foundation is a an organization that grants um, last wishes to terminal adults, and we got to go to Disneyland. Um, all paid mm-hmm. for by them. They planned for our, our plane tickets, our hotel, and it, it was amazing. And Disneyland tickets, it was really good. But in some ways, it was really hard because Luke was very sick, and he only got to go one day with us, and then he was sick in the hotel the other days. Oh, but wow. we still have some great memories, some great videos. I have this great video of him on the scooter in front of um, the <laughs> Princess Castle, and he puts his arms up, and he's like, "I made it, world! I made it!" You know, and I was able to share that clip with people, and just so many great memories of times together. He was a huge um, University of Oregon fan, um, and we went to a football game, got to go down on the field, got to go to the locker room, you know, all these special things um, because people heard our story. 
um, it was COVID and everything was closed. And my daughter's 14th birthday, Red Robin was her is her favorite restaurant and was his. Someone at corporate heard of our story and they sent like a whole parade of people. This is during COVID, so nobody could go to the restaurant. They sent a parade of people with the Red Robin dressed up and brought us all food. They'd taken all of our orders and brought it to us. And it was such, and they sent her gifts and it was such a special memory. There were so many people that just did amazing things for us. Um, I think it was Easter that year. We woke up to like Easter eggs all over the um, all over the yard and it just said, you've been egged somebody and there was money in them and all kinds of things, <laughs> wow. you know? And, and Luke had said, I wanna see the ocean one more time. And it was COVID, everything closed. And a friend had a friend who had this beautiful um, ocean front house and let us go there. It was like about a month before he died. And we were able to experience that together. And so we really saw the generosity of others during this time. And it was such an amazing time to be given this gift of every moment is precious. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. It's unfortunate that we do take things for granted. Um, we don't think that something's going to happen to us and the unpredictable is going to happen. And then you've got that, the phrase quality of life. But I don't think we realize what the quality of life is until something has stopped us in our tracks and made us realize that the quality of life is right here, right now. And for me, it's not chasing the dollar, even though it does pay the bills and it does give you the luxuries you want, you know, like going to Disneyland if it's not a last request like yours was for your husband passing away. It, it makes life a little bit easier. It's also stressful. But to come back full circle with the, the gratitude of life and the quality of life, they really do, they have a lot of power in them because I saw something not too long ago. We will be gone longer than we lived. And that mm, hit me, that hit me hard. It's like, so it's not about living the dash and yet it is about living the dashes. We're gonna be gone a far, far many more years than we were when we existed in life. So what are you gonna do while you have that time mm. right here, right now? Yep. And, and for me, it's not about, and I'm sure it is for you too, you already talked about being angry with God and that's part of the process of, um, of grief is even if you don't have a belief in God, you will find something that's gonna make you either feel guilty if it's you know living because someone else didn't get the chance to, or it's not the opportunity to have done something you wish you had. Mm -hmm. um, it's really like, what are you doing? And, and how are you showing up in the world? You already talked about having being egged in a fun way, not the one where you know you have to clean yeah, up yeah. eggs in your yard. But then the experience that you just shared about a video about your husband being on a scooter, it's like those things will always be in you until you no longer are here. So there's, those are good things too. Mm -hmm. Which, and are your, how are your kids doing now? Because he's been gone a couple years. Yeah, it, on May 23rd, it was three years. Um, so they're, they're doing, I would say, fairly well. They are 15, 17, and almost 19. Mm -hmm. And um, it gets easier every year. Like this was our actually our fourth Father's Day without him. And two of my kids said they weren't sad at all. One of them said he is. Um, it gets easier. As we know, it's not just time. It's what you do with the time. And mm -hmm. I feel like I've created a healthy environment where we keep 
their dad's memory alive. Um, we talk about him all the time. We have pictures of him everywhere. Um, and I recently in March got remarried. And so that's a whole other change for them. Mm. But yet my my current spouse, Joel, he's very good with us talking about Luke and the picture. Like he knew that was part of it. Like we're always going to talk about him. Right. And so I feel like my kids are doing pretty well with it. Um, one of them, he's going to be a sophomore in college and he wants to be a sports announcer. Um, just like his dad and him used to watch football all the time and you know they would practice like announcing and all this stuff so he's living out that dream and my daughter um, she's absolutely into um, leading music like she's a she does worship at her school and then she sings a lot and does theater and um, my youngest he's he does YouTube and you know they're all figuring out their thing but they're doing as I feel like as good as they can be, you know, with the loss that they've felt, um, as we know, like the pain never goes away. We learn to live with it and we learn tools on how to live with it. Absolutely. And we can all teach one another through something like I just recently uh, tried to connect you and a friend of mine who recently lost her husband. And that's not a journey that I know. And so this is one of those moments where I honestly have never met anyone who's been widowed or a widower, that when this mm -hmm. came about, at the timing that it did, I was like, ah, I get it. <laughs> so you get to be that person that's a resource to help a friend of mine, even though you and I have never met, and, um, and you won't have probably physically meet my friend, but what you're doing and the journey you were on will allow her some relief, which brings mm -hmm. me into the next thing is, you and I are both recovery specialists, grief recovery mm -hmm. specialists. What made you, I know why I did it, and I'm not even doing what I thought I was <laughs> what I'd gone to classes for and paid for the time. I'm not doing it in the way that I thought it was going to. Mine actually helps me connect with people. What was mm. the reason for you taking the uh, opportunity to become a grief recovery specialist? Well, I always knew that I wanted, well, in the last couple of years, but I knew that I wanted to help widows. And that's why I had started a podcast and a nonprofit. And so this last January, I was looking into all different opportunities, like maybe I want to go back to school and become a grief counselor. And my sister-in-law, my new sister-in-law, she um, said, have you heard of grief recovery? I had no idea what it was. And so I learned about it and decided to become a specialist. And while I was becoming a specialist, as you know, you go through the program yourself. And I saw how mm -hmm. valuable it was and I had done almost three years of grief work already but there was still more to do and so that is what started this so I just got certified in January and I've been doing it locally in groups as well as online and I'm loving the results that I'm seeing it makes a difference and, and like you said you're going through it too and I remember when I went yeah. through the when I went through the course I actually had drove I live in Arizona and I actually had to go to the nearest place that was holding this class oh. was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I took a little road trip too, because I was so passionate about wanting to help other people who've gone through mm -hmm. grief because of my own story. One of the ladies that was in there had been given the realization that her daughter might not live mm -hmm. um, because she was battling cancer. Well, the outcome is that her daughter has lived and, and has beat cancer a couple different times. So she's one of the lucky ones. I, I'm sure a lot of people would say lucky. Um, so that gave me a different perspective on how people perceive what grief recovery specialists are and why mm. they're, they're doing it, which is why I asked. Mm -hmm. And then you also brought up just now that you knew you wanted to do a podcast mm. and a nonprofit. So tell me more about your podcast. Yes. So it's called Widow Too Soon with the number two. And 
early on in my journey, I just wanted to know that things were going to get better. I found every Facebook group I could find <laughs> and I connected uh, with a widower named Mark and we became really good friends. And we decided that there was a lot of hopelessness in these groups and we wanted to give people hope and inspiration. So we started a podcast two years ago and we basically, it's just our journey. What we've learned along the way, we go through everything from surviving the holidays to how to help kids with grief. He has young kids. I have teenage kids. So we're able to talk about two different perspectives on almost everything. He talks about what it's like to be a widower and the things that are hard for him. And I talk about being a widow. Um, and so we just started that two years ago and it's going really, really well. And we have a new episode every Tuesday. And right now we're doing a lot of interviews and getting a lot of other stories. And so it's been something that we just knew that we wanted to do. And then that's kind of how I got started with the nonprofit. Um, I thought I want to take this a little bit further. I want to just do this full time. And so we started a nonprofit called Widow Goals. And basically there's there's three different things that Widow Goals do um, that we do. One is the podcast and then one is events. Um, on Mother's Day, I was able to do a Mother's Day tea for local widows and be able to um, give them gifts and just really treat them to a nice time. And the point was to build community. So a lot of them had never met other widows. And so that was huge. Um, and then, you know, just when I meet a widow in the area, I can take her out to eat. I can just love on her. If she has a specific financial need that we can meet, we can do that. Um, and then the third thing that we provide is scholarships for grief recovery. So even if people can't afford it, they can apply for a scholarship and the funding that we get through Widow Goals is able to pay for it. So those are the main things that we do. Wow, a scholarship. That is good because we know that insurance doesn't cover a lot of things right. and one of them has to do with, you know, you have three days to grieve, then get back to yeah. work. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You, the, your mm -hmm. life is a mess from past three days. Exactly. <laughs> but the mindset. Yeah. So tell me more about what it is that you're, um, so do you, let me ask this. Do you have programs that you have in place when you have the nonprofit that has certain like things that would help a certain stage of being a widow? Um, not exactly. So the nonprofit's only a year old and I don't have a lot of big things in place like that. So we're just kind of learning as we go. Um, so my main passion right now is grief recovery um, and helping people get that help um, as they need it. Um, but I try to reach out when I do hear of a widow and be there for them if they need if they need anything. Even, you know, with our, your friend, we did that in a group. So mm -hmm. I'm here if they want anything, I let them know. Um, and so it's just kind of something that's in the growth stages, but I want to continue to offer um, the podcast, the social media, those kind of things. So I'm answering emails like all day long and, and messages and Instagram and Facebook and all that. And I want to continue to do that full time because I think it's so important to know that you're going to get through it and that you're not alone and that your feelings are normal. <laughs> like this is grief. Grief is, we have a podcast episode called Grief is Weird. It just is like, it's a strange thing, you know? And so yes. I want to be able to continue to pour into people. Um, my biggest passion is the first year of widowhood because you are just in a daze. <laughs> and so, you know, helping them with like, okay, what do you need to do right away? What do you need to do in six months? You know, those kind of things. And also our whole theme is widows helping widows, not, um, not only survive, but thrive. And so I have widows on my board who also help. And so the point is to connect the seasoned widows with the new widows as well. Perfect. Now, not many people know what grief recovery specialist is. 
Now, I have a different story. I'm not a, a widow or anything like that. I, have, I did have a, a passing in my life that brought me to wanting to become a grief recovery specialist. So those people who don't know what a grief recovery specialist is, can you break it down into a simpler form for people to understand what it is that you really do? Yes. So basically, grief recovery is a system that helps you recover from grief. So some people, a lot of people don't believe you can recover. Now, yes, it'll always hurt, but we take specific specific things and break them down. Just here's a little example. I know you know this, but for the audience and pretend you're born with a backpack and every time you have grief or loss, a rock is placed inside of that backpack. Well, what we do with grief recovery is we help you identify the largest rock, the boulder, the thing that's holding you down and to remove it from your backpack through um, a bunch of different um, processes that we do. And so the point is that you can actually recover by taking these steps. And so we do in person, we do an eight-week um, session, and on one-on-one, we do seven weeks, um, meeting about an hour each week. Perfect. And because I have gone through the class, I do know, and I still <laughs> yeah. have my my manual and my books and stuff, but I use it more as a um, technique on how to talk to people mm. versus how to teach them to go through the, grief, uh, the, the stages of grief. I know what they are, um, mm-hmm. but like you said in the very beginning, <sighs> There's a lot of waves, even in the years that you've been and myself, there's there's going to be days that you're just going to get hit. And that's why I call them a wave yeah. because you'll be fine. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. boom, there comes this emotion. You're like, what do I do? I can't breathe. Yeah. I don't know how to think. I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to do anything. And then mm-hmm. there's days where you're like, I'm on top of the world. Everyone's probably thinking, yeah, well, I don't think you have any problems with the loss of a loved one. And that's right. completely the opposite. Sometimes we have to put no pun intended on what we just dealt with with the uh, 2020 era, but we have to put a mask on sometimes and say, mm-hmm. I, got, I just got to get up and I got to keep moving. Yep. Yep. Do you have any success stories, as you are and I already know, so you remarried and some people don't recover um, with that pain of losing a loved one for whatever reason. It's not for us to decide. Um, it's something they have to work through. Uh, but there are success stories that maybe they don't remarry, but they found a purpose in their life. Do you have any successes with the people mm-hmm. you've worked with? Yeah, well, I've seen several different people have successes just from getting the recovery from their grief. For example, I have a woman who took my class in January and she told me by the end that she literally felt lighter and that she was able to help her granddaughter through grief. And that's been a constant theme with the people. I think I've taken almost 13 people through this since I started in January and it's a constant theme. I feel lighter. One day I got on a one-on-one with someone and she said on Zoom and she was like, do you notice anything different? And I'm like, yeah, you seem happier. She's like, I am, I can feel it, this is working. Where can we find your podcast and what's the name of it? Yes, it's called Widowed Too Soon and it can be found on Apple, um, Spotify, any major platform. Um, So that's a great place to find the podcast. And your nonprofit? Oh yes, Um, widowgoals.org. And you can email me at michelle at widowgoals.org. Michelle with two L's? Yes, sorry, two L's and an E, yes. Not a problem. Now I do have one final question. First of all, thank you for sharing the journey of Luke and the family and what they had to go through because it's not an easy journey. I think a lot of people in society think that if we don't talk about it, everybody's okay. And we Mm. know that that's that's not even closest to the truth, right? 
<laughs> we don't walk around saying, hey, I just don't feel like it today. You know, I'm right. <laughs> I'm hurting or I'm sad, but, um, but we do have those people walking around. So I want to say thank you and, and acknowledge mm -hmm. that Luke was an important part of your life. He gave you the family, gave you the memories, including the one you shared with me, which is being on the scooter at, at Disneyland. So that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so my final question is this. If I only had one question to ask an individual to get an idea about who they are or what they're all about, it would be this question. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of life? That we were not made just to survive. We were made to thrive. And that I tell new widows, you're not, you're here for a purpose. You're not here to just live until you die and see your husband again. You still have life left to live. And so no matter whether it's a widow or whoever, what they're going through, there's still more of life to live. And so, you know, get outside and take advantage of every single moment because we really don't know how short life is until we've gone through losing a loved one. So I wanna encourage everyone to make the most of every moment until it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Tell the people that you love them because you never know, you know, what the future holds. Yeah, 100% correct. And I have come up with this thing with my own journey of loss and that is death changed me but it also reminds me how precious life is. Mm, so good, Ta yes. Time, time and life is because they, you know, they do go together. Yes. So yeah, it's a breakdown. Because um, I have had people in the past say, well, you seem to be okay. I wanna <laughs> let anyone that's hearing this or seeing this, do not go based on someone's facial expression or what they're right. doing in their life to think that they're okay because right. they're not always okay. We just don't want to throw up on everybody about how we're not doing okay. Mm -hmm. True. But we, but we do need to take the time, and I know that you know this, we do need to take the time, not only for ourselves, but anyone who has come in counter with someone who's lost a loved one, that when someone asks how you're doing and if they want to tell you or they need you, you don't have to fix it. We're not asking right. you to fix it. We're just True. asking you to be genuine about your question and just lend an ear, because that's pretty much all we really need. Or a hug, you know, who couldn't mm -hmm. go without a hug? So that's my advice for today. Do you have some advice about your, your journey? Um, I just, I think the most important thing is, for, for the friends or the family of someone um, who's hurting, is if, like, especially right when it happens, don't say, let me know if there's anything you can do do something for them, like list something specific. Can I bring you dinner tonight? Can I do this for you? And we all need that person to just stand up and say it because when we're in the loss, we don't know what we want. And so I would say that's the best thing that you can do. And like you said, don't try to fix them. Like, just listen, just listen. That's all they need. And that's what they want. I also like to add that when people do offer, I've learned this one the hard way, is <laughs> use the phrase, because you can't, you can't help them in everything that they are going to want you to help in, and you don't even know what that might be. But I use the phrase, I am here for you as best as I can. Oh, that's that good. Way, that way it doesn't give you the complete weight, and it doesn't allow them to think, and this is with no, this is with dis, no disrespect, it doesn't have someone thinking that you can just go and say everything or think that they're going to be able to help you because that's another heaviness on that person taking it on too who's really wanting to be there for you but doesn't know how to be there because I'm certain yeah. you know this one too when we lose loved ones some people go away because they don't know how to deal with that new yes. norm that you now have to live mm -hmm. yeah. yep 
Thank you for being my guest today, Michelle, and being that beacon of light for individuals who need you, and that would be the widows. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story that would help someone else along their journey of life. Please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, you may also email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.